And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms of apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the opening podcast for Red Side Le Trent. I'm here with Adam Wicklow, Reese Lane and Lee Clark. How are we doing, guys? Good, thanks, mate. Yo. Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Yeah, how, how are you guys? All good? Yeah, yeah not good. too bad. Yeah, not too bad. Obviously, it's... um. Obviously, we're back in the grounds now and we had what was a very special pre-match and brief opening minutes for the match, but ultimately ended the disappointment as Forrest slipped to a 2-1 defeat to what would eventually be 10-man Bournemouth. Um, obviously, not what we wanted, not what we expected. Well, sort of what we expected, I suppose, but are we? how are we feeling after that? Are we quite sort of let down? We didn't make the most of it? Or was it sort of like we were playing a better side? It was part and parcel. I don't mind going first. I think um, I think it was a bit of both. I think I went into the game thinking we'd probably get beat, to be fair. Um, I know that's really pessimistic, but I think once the game started, we were pretty comfortable. Um, I don't. I was looking at the stats after the game, and I think they only had two shots on target all game. Um, and you could really argue that both of those should have been saved. Um, so, yeah, I think it was... Much of a muchness in the way of a performance, but I think ultimately, with how the ninety minutes panned out, we've once again lost a game that had it finished one-one or even nil-nil, nobody would have probably complained at all. To be fair, yeah, I mean, I mean <laughs> Lee's pretty much spot on, really. Um, you know, up until they scored, was very much in the game, probably the better side, really. Um, you know, we won plenty of free kicks in good areas, but delivery kind of letting us down all the time. You know, I think we won one pretty much in the first few seconds and Zinc and Arkel, um, took in, it went way over the bar and we just, we need to probably improve a bit really on his crossing. I know we, I know we eventually did score from across. Um, and then obviously, we've obviously let David Brooks, who's probably a bottom end Premier League player, you know, run free men have let him run completely free. You know, and then obviously we've got sorry, Christians. Then obviously we've got ourselves back in the game, and then obviously within a few minutes we're, we're behind again. And then obviously, you know, the sending off happens. But you know, Bournemouth have then obviously gone with a block. You know, ten men behind the ball, pretty much. And you know, and we've we've struggled to break him down. We didn't really create much at all after that. Um, you know, I'm, I would obviously, I think we all pretty much like Carvalho in here. 
I would have liked to have seen him introduced a bit earlier. You know, seven minutes is not not enough for that type of player to just come on and, you know, be changing a game. You know, you've got to be looking probably as soon as they go down to 10, you know, to change to change it, probably bring him on then. I think that's very much it, isn't it? I mean, it was quite interesting with Brooks as well. We sort of saw both sides, I felt, like, because you could see the way he was moving around. He was clearly a cut above what we had to offer, but then his petulance and the way he got sent off potentially is why he's still at Bournemouth. But um, as you rightly pointed out, the situation of 10 men, I mean, it almost felt like the way we were set up, it would have been better had he not been sent off because at that point they just sort of shored everything up. And as you said, there was no creativity. We couldn't get through. But I guess the most sort of bone of contention, if you like, was the fact that, and this is something I do sort of resonate with a bit. We didn't, was that obviously Chris Hewton didn't change anything and said that he felt that the way the game was poised at that point, that it wasn't worth changing, which obviously has aggravated perhaps fairly quite a lot of people. I mean, um, Adam, what did you think of that? Did you think that he should have maybe sort of gone for a bit more of some more dynamic uh, electricity in midfield, perhaps? Sort of like try and get some spark into the game and sort of stretch Bournemouth a bit better than going sideways and backwards? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can use this as an example, but I'm going to. Um, I play a lot of football manager and I tend to change things quite drastically if a team goes down to 10 men or or whatever. Um, I think we could have thrown on Graben up with Taylor earlier just to cause more problems because, like Reece said, they set up a block, they got 10 men behind the ball. It's it's then now we need to really like throw the kitchen sink at them almost, um, get two men close together to for any like knockdowns, any scrap scrappy sort of uh, chances we might get. Um, I'm quite disappointed anyway because hearing about Bournemouth's like situation, they had a lot of young kids on the bench as well. So actually, in theory, we had probably a better match day squad than them. Uh, when you look at it in the grand scheme of things, yeah, they've got lots of experienced players like Billing and, and Brooks and Solanke up front and there's a lot of money spent in that side. But generally, I think our team have probably got a lot more experience in terms of playing time than than their sort of lads. I mean, I think they had three three from their academy that had come and not really played a lot, uh, including the goalkeeper. We didn't really like test them that much. Um, we had a lot of the ball. But I don't think really we did anything. I don't really. I don't think I even heard Yates and Colback get on the ball that much, apart from when Yates hit the post. And even when I saw the highlight, it looked like he didn't really want to actually shoot. <laughs> it's one of those like that instant in particular. I mean, that sort of summed up our day really. I mean, how often you hit the inside of the post and it still doesn't go in? That's normally an indicator it's not going to be a day really. But obviously, we can't write it down. Sad. I mean, the midfield dilemma is quite a problem in its own right because. I, my personal view is that Yates and Colbeck are too similar and we don't have someone who can actually bring the ball forwards, who can actually spray from deep. They just very much, they cut the passing lanes and they play it safe. And the, I think that that restricts the fullbacks quite a lot. Um, who would you, well, I mean, open question to everyone here, if in terms of your midfield partnership with what we have, obviously we all hope and pray that James Garner comes back in some capacity, be it permanent or alone. But in the short term, who would you have as your midfield too? Um, I, th- I think me personally, I think it's always interesting one. I think you've just hit the nail on the head with the Yates and Colback um, situation. It does always seem to be to me, though, that people... There's this ongoing thing on Twitter, isn't there, where y- y- what Yates does something really good and everyone says, oh, where's the haters? He does something really bad, everyone says, where's the lovers? Um, it's For me, he's not for me. He's not my cup of tea. Um, I don't think he's done enough to warrant the 
you know, over the top praise he gets. I get that he's come from the academy, and I'll put my hand up and say that he did have some good games for us last season, but he had some. He didn't have many. He had a few, and I think for a team that wants to progress up the championship, um, we probably need to be looking at two central midfielders. To be fair, um, that's not going to happen this transfer window, but. Um, We'd love James Garner to come back, but I think with what we've got now, I mentioned yesterday, if if you're going to persist with the double pivot in midfield, if you like, you've got to be playing Cafu because at least he's not afraid to kind of break through the lines. Um, he'll put his foot in. He might keep it simple a bit um, at times, but he's not afraid to step into that final third and link up with the, the attackers. And I think that's what ultimately Colbeck... And Yates tries to do it, but he's, we've seen his heading. We've seen him in front of goal. He, like you say, yesterday, he just didn't even want to shoot. Um, had it gone in, I think he'd have probably done an Eric Lee high lap of the city ground because it, it'd have been as surprised as anyone, I think. But uh, yeah, for me, it, it would be at the minute. And I'll probably get pelted for this on Twitter, but I would go with Colback and Cafu, to be fair. Race, what about you, mate? Um, yeah, again, probably agree with much of, if not all of what Lee said, you know, we 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 all we all we all crying out for James Garner. I mean, if that is going to happen, then that's going to be very close to the end of the window. Um, obviously, I'll go back to your point with what we've got. <laughs> As Lee said, obviously on Twitter, you know, Yates is in the same mould as Carvalho in terms of he's a love eight player. Some people love him, some people hate him, and it, it kind of isn't really no middle ground with him. You know, I seen someone last um, weekend against Coventry saying he'd had a blinder. And then you kind of, you know, and then obviously that kind of generates the hate, really, because, you know, when he has a poor game, you know, people are, you know, on at him. You know, as Lee said, again, there was some games where he has played well. One that spring always springs to mind for me is the 1-1 the one -one draw at Derby last year, where he pretty much marked Rooney, who was obviously, you know, their threat at the time out of the game, really. Mm. Um, obviously, going back to what we've got at the minute, we're probably in a similar situa situation to what happened under Karanka, where we had Colback and Watson together. They were both very similar kind of player. Um, and we're kind of at that stage again, really, where I don't think either of them are really progressive with the ball. You kind of need one or the other, you know, um do prefer callback over Yates, you know, and it likely says, well, obviously you've got Cafu. Obviously, I didn't go to the Bradford game, so I can't really comment, but obviously I've seen a lot of praise for Tyrese Fauna, who might be a bit more progressive, you know, maybe give him a shout. Obviously, he is obviously still very young and obviously lacking in that experience. But it's a tough one. I, I don't think you can't, I think playing them together is no good. They're just not progressive enough. They just—I don't see enough from either of them to get on the ball, turn and look forward and think. Right, we're going to ping it wide, or we're going to ping it through the middle to obviously Brennan Johnson is probably usually going to be through the middle as an attacking mid. You know, <laughs> like um, the eight shot, which was a—you know—to be fair, we'll give him credit. Was a wonderful strike, and he's literally an inch, inch probably to the right away from scoring a beauty, but. He kind of didn't know what to do in that situation. And he kind of, in the end, looked around, seeing he had that much space and think, kind of thought to himself, I've got to go for this because of how much time he had. You know, and so with what we've got at the minute, for me, it probably would be Colback and then obviously either Cafu or Fauna. I wouldn't be bothered which one of them really. 
it's interesting because obviously we've got the self-appointed head of the Tyrese Fauna Fan Society in, in Adam. <laughs> Um, he's very proud of that. Um, I'm obviously I'm guessing Fauna is going to be one of your two. Um, from what you saw at the Bradford game, I mean, obviously again, I I didn't go to that either. Um, what was it that you think he offers that what we have don't? He constantly wanted the ball. He was asking for it every single time off the centre halves, off Harbottle and um, Fernandez. Um, he, every time he was an option all the time and then he he allowed the fullbacks to go on because he would drop into centre-back almost so uh, Richardson and Back they bombed on so much forward if you watch the highlights from the Bradford game Back back, play, back plays like so many cutbacks through that game or at least wins corners or gets forward a lot and the same with Richardson because Fauna is so good at come, just dropping in in that slot just to help out the centre-halves but he also looked to play the ball forward into feet as well. He wasn't afraid to do that. And he was just so calm and composed. I mean, I'm going to disagree with you, Reese. He's, he's young. He's 21. He's only a year younger than Yates, I think, or two years younger than Yates. And I think he goes under the radar because Brennan Johnson has such a good season for Lincoln because he scored and assisted loads. But for Plymouth, he, he got high phrase for being so dogged and robust in midfield and doing the dirty work but actually he is a good ball playing midfielder I think um, I think given the time and the way he spoke after the interview I think he believes himself a lot and I would I'd personally give him a go um, whether that's with someone like Cafu so they complement each other um, or Colback just so he can guide him through a little bit more um, I don't know because obviously you don't want two of the same but I, I'm a big fan I think he deserves a go at least um, in the team it's interesting yeah. that you sort of say the way he sort of sorry, sorry the way he just sort of dropped in, they sort of split the centre back. So that's exactly what Watson used to do, wasn't it? Under Lamucci. Yeah. Like he would constantly sort of fill in and the whole sort of back four, especially the wing backs, would just get forward at that point. And then obviously from that pass, you know, you then get the full backs into the game more. Yeah, I mean, it kind of made me laugh. I seen the, I seen the um, paragraph of quotes from him say, which was pretty uh, ruthless, saying how much he wants to take people's shirts off him. <laughs> in, in, in regard, obviously, in regards, I get obviously Adam's point out, obviously, to be fair to central defensive mids, they do usually go under the radar because, you know, they, they, do, the, <laughs> they do the dirty work, really. Um, you've kind of seen that, obviously, over the years, you know, with Angolo Kante, you know, he has, obviously, when it's a big game comes about, people always mention him how good he is. And it's like, well, he kind of usually does that most games, you know what I mean? So, it, obviously, if he gets put in, then, oh, I'd be very pleased. I'd like, I'm obviously interested to see how well he can do. It's definitely an interesting one, isn't it? So, we'll see how he sort of beds in it. Um, the one I sort of I'm interested with, it was obviously going back to Yates, and you're right, he does split opinion. It's, there's no middle ground at all. You can't just say he's been decent or he's been okay. It's either he's been the best player in the world or he's been utter trash. There's no real middle ground. I actually felt the last two games, with the exception of that very stupid foul at Coventry at the very end, which obviously they can, they scored from, um, I actually think Yates has been fairly mature in the way he's played, in the way he's just cut the passing lanes out. He's just very much bare and thereabouts. And then the issue is, he doesn't progress. Like it's just a very sideways and backwards five way, five yard pass, which is fine. It keeps the ball. It's what he's doing. It's the issue is there's no one next to him who can push forward as such. I mean, obviously, I guess Yates is the captain now, outstanding captain. So he's probably going to go anytime, anywhere, anywhere, anytime soon. Um, how do you sort of feel about that, Lee? Given your 
I mean, I've got to be honest. I, I was just thinking while you were talking then about um, what I'd said previously. I don't, I don't mean it to sound like it's an agenda against Ryan Yates or anything, but I just, I actually think in terms of having the captain's armband, he's a really good captain. Because mm, if you think about vocal. it, yeah. you can just tell that Ryan Yates is the first in training, the last to leave. Um, he does everything his manager asks him to do. Um, and he, he is. You can you watch him on the pitch. And I mean, there's a guy who sits near us in the Trent End Upper, and he says that he's he's a master at pointing because you watch him and he's just constantly pointing at things. I don't Harry know if he's Arthur. pointing at people in the crowd or if he's actually trying <laughs> to organise things, but he, he is. He does look like he's uh, you know organising. So I think I fell out with a lot of people last season over a captain's armband because um, yeah, I, Gavin, I, I can vouch for that. I was exactly Lewis, the same. Lewis Grabbing <laughs> had it last season and, and he got he got pelters, but. I do think, I think sports evolved so much that not just in football, but the captain's role has become, it's it's more than one person now. You look at the England cricket team and it's not just Joe Root who's doing the, you know, the orchestrating. It's it's Bairstow, it's Butler, it's Noe Nally today. And football's gone the same. Yeah, one man's got to lead the team out and wear the armband. But I think ultimately um, a, a good successful side will have four or five people who are capable of having it tossed to them at any time. So, yeah, I'll, I'll hold my hands up there and say I think Gates is an ideal captain at this moment in time. Do you think that, again, one thing that's always been levelled against Forrest is that there's been a like, distinct lack of leadership. Obviously, obviously, Yates getting the captaincy perhaps identifies that, even though, as you say, you're, you're very right in what you say. You, you can very much imagine him being there first in, last out, you know, does the hard yards. But if Yates wasn't to be playing, for example, I know Grabman's back now, but who would get it in that team? You think maybe McKenna? You know, someone who's been there less than a year? Um, it's, not, it's not exactly inspiring is it like as a, as a broad consensus of the forest side in terms of like who's going to drag you down drag you up from when you fall down basically and this is it i think i think that's a, that's basically um a problem of having 72 signings in three seasons or whatever it is it's some ridiculous start you're never going to get leaders who know the club i mean hopefully mckenna can stay for two or three years um, because he, he looks like the ideal person to be a captain. You know, he conducts himself well at the back. He seems like a model professional, doesn't put much on social media. I think it's always a pretty good sign of, you know, being a model professional. I'm not saying you're not if, you, if you're on social media, but seems to keep himself to himself. He seems like a good character. So, yeah, I think this is a, another aspect of, of probably why I'm glad we've not gone out and, you know, blasted loads of money on 12 new players again because you're back to the same situation where you're constantly searching for leaders all the time. I guess sort of on the topic of um, new signings, I saw, um, I can't remember who it was, someone on Twitter actually, who said that as frustrating as it's been us being so slow, if you look at the players we've brought in, Zink and Agle and Ossie Tutu, they've both massively improved us. So it's almost like I'm willing to be patient to a point just because who we'll get in will improve us. It's not like before where we're signing has-beens and cast-offs or people that we just sort of like square pegs and round holes. These are actually good players that clubs don't necessarily want to let go of. And it looks like the next one might be Morgan Rogers, who was obviously um, cited at um, City Ground after the game. I mean, he could have just been watching Johnson. He could have been anything. But obviously the fact we've been linked sort of doesn't exactly, you know, you don't need to put two and two together there to... Uh, sort of see what's not going on but um, obviously uh, Adam I'm guessing you obviously saw obviously seems to be quite switched on with League One last year I mean how much did you catch of Rodgers and what do you think he can offer to Forrest? Um, I didn't watch him a terrible amount I know he's got this reputation to be a bit like I would say similar to someone like Mikel Antonio if we're going to compare to someone that's been at Forest, where could look like a absolute world beater one day and then doesn't know, look like, know what they're doing the next um, but that's 
he's a young player, so I suppose that's quite a raw thing where he just needs a bit of coaching and a bit of maturity, and he'll get there. Um, I know he's a he's got blistering pace, um, so and obviously he's coming from Man City. It's not a bad not a bad shout to to go for, but. Do we need another winger unless he's going to play up front? I don't know. Um, I, I, I think we've got we're quite stacked now out wide. Um, and I know Joey Lolly had a much improved game yesterday, and a lot of people said, "Why did we bring him off? He was probably our most influential player second half," uh, which is good to see because I've been a critic of of Lolly, especially the last eighteen months. He's been dying. I think we can all agree on that. Um, he's needed a big kick up the arse. Um, but yeah, no, my main concern is obviously the left back position. Uh, because I think I'll say two two will play right back eventually. I think Jordan Gabriel sounds like he's not quite ready, um, and obviously the centre midfield position is is a massive worry. I think up front we we, we might be all right. Um, I think t- apparently Taylor had a good game again yesterday, but obviously didn't get get the chances. Um, I don't think there's n- that much to worry about yet, um, and I know a lot of people want Hutton out, and I, we'll probably talk about that a bit more in depth. But I don't think it's quite yet ready to, to be on the hooting out yet maybe eight more games it's on the topic of Gabriel actually it's quite um, obviously it's fair to say that he didn't have the best of outings against Bournemouth and it certainly highlighted for me that it, one another thing I saw was, was um, when we were linked with Arsene I'm sure you'll have some very strong views on this race um, was someone said why are we bolstering one of Arsenal's kids when we, when we should have faith in our own and that performance from Gabriel tells you all you need to know, really, from what, from what I concerned, because the difference between the two was night and day. Yeah, I mean, I thought Gabriel at Coventry was pretty decent, but yesterday really struggled. He did really struggle yesterday. You know, like I mentioned earlier, he's still young, so he, he is going to have games like that. That's, you know, how it, that's how it is, you know, at the championship level as well. Obviously, obviously, 2-2 two, two is someone who had, Obviously, going to watch a game abroad and seeing um, was really impressed with him. Um, so, obviously, I'd kind of followed him ever since. Um, he was someone who I kind of wanted us to sign last year when we um, obviously got rid of cash. Obviously, Cardiff took him on, which, you know, was a shame he struggled with injuries last year. But, obviously, I'm sure you three guys got to see a bit more of a glimpse of him yesterday. You know, obviously going forward is definitely his strengths, but he's quick, he can take people on. And then you probably see him defensively, which is probably, obviously he's attacking better than his defensively because he was a bit at fault for the first goal. Well, there's probably three of them who could have trapped um, the runner. But obviously he was he was one of the three. But obviously got man of the match on the screen, which, you know, is definitely up there for me, for us, for man of the match for. I thought he did really well to say, you know, as well, you know, he's only come in the other day, so he's not going to have had many training sessions at all with the team, you know, and he's been chucked in, to be fair, as well. He is predominantly, obviously, plays on the right side and obviously yesterday was on the left side. So, now I thought he did, I thought he did well yesterday and he is someone who I do think will, with more games, will get better for us and I, I've got no doubt about that <laughs> because I've, I've said if he uh, does turn out to be um, a pig, then um, I'll delete. I'll be deleting <laughs> Twitter because I've vouched uh, to sign him so much. So, but yeah, I thought he did. Obviously, I might be a little bit biased, but I thought he, I thought he did well yesterday. 
he was very good. He was very impressed. I think, like you said, it wasn't so much the fact that I mean, there was, there was, I think there was one time where they were on a counter. He ran back like twenty yards and just cut Brooks and half, won the ball cleanly as well. It was brilliant, brilliant defensive uh, duties. But it's the way he was linking forward on the other side. I mean, this is something that annoyed me as well when it went down at the ten men. Like you think, obviously Brooks was the right winger, and we brought Mighton on, which is good. You know, uh, you, you should review those two that sort of pace train on the left hand side, sort of doubling up, but it didn't happen. But but that's it is what it is. But um. Yeah, in terms of um, moving forwards, obviously with RCT, do you see him as a right back? Do you want him? Obviously, as you said, the prize is a left, it's a by a left back, but it obviously helps having someone quite versatile, doesn't it? I mean, it it would it would be right back for me because that you know I'm going back to a previous manager, you know, square pegs in round holes. We all know who said that he's obviously a right sided player. And, and I kind of get, obviously, full-backs can switch sides because, you know, it is a similar position, obviously a change of foot. But, you know, what I do think he's personally better than Gabriel. But, I, you know, I've only seen Gabriel a couple of times and only seen Tutu a couple of times as well, to be fair. But what I kind of think, what they can offer, you know, what, you know, the, obviously the, the disappointing thing in a way is that, obviously, Martin's better for me, from the left-hand side, because you can cut in, which is very, very good at. Obviously, that would be a very tough left side to start going forward if it was 2 to Martin, because they're both obviously very small, very pacey, tricky. Um, but I do prominently see him as a, as a right, on the right, personally, 2 to. Obviously, that depends on whether we sign the left back. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's obviously going for another fourth or fifth, sixth bid for Buchanan, and it's still rejected every time we come out with him a left back anyway. Um, what about you two guys? What do you think? Yeah, I think I'd rather. I think I'd rather he was playing on the right. I think to sign a lone player, you've got to really be. You've got to be really struggling if you're signing a lone player and then just playing him out of position all the time. Um, but it is, it is a little bit of a concern that we, we do seem to be struggling to get a, a left-back in. Um, I, I do get that we, we're obviously trying to sign players now that clubs don't want to lose, so it is, it is going to go to the wire. But um, I, I don't think the Buchanan deal is going to happen. I think we can knock that one on the head. Mm. Um, and the other guy I've seen us linked with is, is a right-back again, uh, the guy from Reading. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. At the minute, all the links would suggest that perhaps Chris Hewitt signed him to play at left-back. Um, but yeah, personally, I would I would be putting him at right back pretty sharpish after yesterday. Yeah, I'm much in the same boat, really. Like I, I I don't mind inverted wingers, but inverted fullbacks, unless you're Dennis Irwin, then you're pretty much buggered. Or Philip Lahm, and we haven't got either of those. So you just want that natural balance, don't you? Especially like because you can lay the ball off and they can cross first time, sort of thing, rather than having to cut back on their 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 natural foot or whatever. Um it's a tricky one, man. Like, what what is it with Forrest and left backs? I thought Dougie Freeman solved it when he got Panios in, and then when he got buggered, we got Bojan Jokic in, and I thought, oh, we've, we've, we've found a little bit of a, a thing here. But um, <laughs> yeah, but I still find I still find it very strange that we let go the likes of. I know, I know Tyler Black; it wasn't the biggest fan of of people, but him, Ayano, and then and obviously Ribeiro. So. We must have something up our sleeves. Or like Lee's already pointed out, Hewton signed him to play left back, which is, I mean, the way he's going this season and how many people have had a go at him, I wouldn't put it past him. No. Um, uh, it's interesting. One of the things that Reese said, actually, um, one thing that obviously Hewton identified was that for both goals, we didn't track our runners. Um, 
I, it was probably more. I don't know. Obviously, I haven't actually watched it back. I never watch the highlights when we lose. Um, I obviously will at some point. But for the first goal, you can sort of say, as you say, yeah, maybe slightly at fault. For the second goal, again, it just seemed like very, very weak defending. But what definitely was more concerning for me about the second goal was Samba's involvement because I think for the second week running now, we've had what is undisputably a top six championship goalkeeper make two errors that have cost us two points. And obviously we think with the new guy coming in now, you think it's now the time to roll a dice and maybe give him a run in the first team. Like, So are you Horvath or are you Samba? I saw Horvath play Wednesday night and I thought he looked quite accomplished. Um, what he had to deal with, he did, he did do well with it, whether he was coming out for crosses or just saving the odd shot. Um, I think you need to see more of him for definite. Um, and I think with Samba making them two errors and being that laid back, he's vertical or whatever, or horizontal, whichever way you want to be lying. Um, it, it might be might be something to consider just to give him a big kick up the arse, really. He's, a, he's another one that, that needs the comp- needed the competition. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I might lead towards Horvath for sure. It's interesting you mentioned the sort of competition. It's sort of like everyone, myself included, was like a better number two maybe, you know, does give him that kick up the arse. And ever since we've brought in better competition, he's made two errors. So maybe it's gone the other way. But um, what do you two guys think? Do you think, who would you go for, for um, Blackburn? Um, well, I mean, I, again, people are just going to think I go on Twitter looking for arguments after this podcast, but I, I, I <laughs> defended Samba. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I defended Samba so much last season, but like, I mean... It's like Adam's just touched upon. We've signed a new goalkeeper and he's not kind of responded to the... Uh, I, I expected him to be the goalkeeper that we originally signed this season. I really thought in the first couple of games he'd he'd turn a corner, he'd be... A, I still expect him to be his, his usual uh, gamesmanship self, shall we say. But his goalkeeping, I just thought it would tighten up. I thought he'd be coming for the crosses again. I thought his distribution would be on point. I mean, I think the first kick he made at Coventry... It was straight down the middle of the pitch, and I think it went straight to a Coventry player. And it's like, come on, the season started now. We're not, we're not messing about with friendlies. But I think because we've lost our first two games, you've got to say if we play him again and he makes another error that costs us another two points, you know, where do you draw the line? I think now we've got a, a, a backup that's not Jordan Smith, with all due respect to Jordan Smith. I think you've got to give him a go. Um, and that's coming from someone who has you know, back to Samba all along. I think once, once you've got a number one keeper, typically you do allow for a, a couple of errors, especially at our level, but they're every week, they're every game. And and sadly for Samba, they've, they've cost us, you know, important points at a key stage of a season, really. So for me, I'm I, on Wednesday night, I would, even if it's just one game to give him a kick up the backside, I would give Paul Barth a go. What about you, Rhys? I mean, it is something I've kind of banged on for a while on Twitter about how we needed another number two because again like Lisa with respect to Jordan Smith he's never going to push Samba out of the team he just you know I don't want to be disrespectful but he just isn't good enough for me Um, obviously we brought um, Horvath in you know he's going to want to play because obviously it's the World Cup next year obviously if the US qualify he'll be obviously wanting to play for them you know if he isn't playing week in week out you know they're not really going to maybe have him as a number one goalkeeper. So, obviously, I'm sure he'll want to push. Um, in regards to Samba, you know, you know, overall, since he has joined us, he's been a pretty solid keeper, but he does have a 
subtly error in him at times. Um, sometimes seems a bit casual for my liking. You know, the, the Covent, it's like, it's not ideal because I think he made a really good save before the second Coventry goal. But, you know, when, when you've got um, a solid hand to it, like he did, to kind of push it in the net, you know, mm. obviously me and yourself were right behind that, Christian. Mm. It, it, it looked like he'd saved it. And then, obviously, you just kind of seen the net ripple, which was, it was a bit surreal, kind of yeah. strange, really. And obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not one to talk because I've never been a good goalkeeper, but obviously, you know, to get beat in near post, you know, is, is obviously any goal. And it, I'm sure he'll be disappointed with that as well, Samba, getting beat at his near post. It's twice in um, two games as well. I mean, I guess if you said, I mean, the Coventry one, you can sort of half say to a point, like, no team. I mean, I've always said this, like, when it comes to a set piece into the box, the very most a team opposing team should have is one bite of that cherry. And then that's it, cleared. The fact Coventry had three was ridiculous. Um, but as you said, it's, it's twice in two weeks he's been beat his near post now. So it is quite a concern. I mean, it was the same for the both <laughs> goals. And, you know, I know the first one, I mean, it didn't look like it at the time, but obviously the first one from Coventry got a little nick, which has obviously sent it above him. I mean, he's got no chance with that, mm. obviously, with the deflection. But, you know, from a defensive point of view, we've just got to clear his lines, you know, both of them goals. And then... <laughs> and then we've literally con- conceded two goals this weekend where it's the same mistake of not tracking his runners. So, I mean, the first week is two goals from not clearing his lines. And then this week, it's two goals from obviously not tracking his runners. You know, obviously, I know Sam has got beat at his near post, you know, which obviously, like I've just touched on, isn't good. But, you know, I always kind of say, to, you know, you've got to look at the root cause of the problem we track as runners you know it doesn't develop into that situation and the one that always springs to mind is obviously the Worrell file at Derby mm-hmm. Worrell doesn't make the challenge you know the things what happen after don't happen you're quite a sore subject to me yeah. <laughs> sorry to bring that back up but obviously I just tried to think obviously points in my mind but I mean personally I I'm not too obviously I didn't really I didn't obviously go to the Bradford game so I didn't see Horvath um I can't, I would I would be surprised if he did change at Hewton. I would be surprised if he changed it. But in terms of what I want, if obviously he gave Horvath a shot, then shot, then fair enough. I think that was an interesting point that you just made, though. It's like, do you get the impression that I I did play in goal? Um, do you get the impression that some fans on social media actually think some goalkeepers should save everything? <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Every every keeper we seem to have will concede a goal, and someone will pipe up with. I think the keeper should do better. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's oh, like, come on! I mean, some some teams do score goals that you know they deserve to score, and that the keeper's like, yeah, it won't save that on a step ladder. What they've it's, got to realise as well is, you know, we're in the championship. You know, yeah, exactly. And yeah. if we've got a really, really, really good goalkeeper, he's not going to be playing for Forest, to be honest. No. That's you know, um, yeah, in, in a way, I do, I do get your point. Um, you know, it's a tough one because, you, you know, like I said at the start, overall for us, Sam has been pretty decent. You know, obviously you look, it's like a touch overrated at times because, it, you know, obviously the keepers you have had before him, you know, the likes of Jordan Smith, who just wasn't up to it for me. And then you're going back, you know, to the likes of Stojkovic. Um, and Henderson, who I'm trying to think who else. So obviously, it's like when Pantillimon come in first, 
everyone was raving about him, how good he was. And then obviously when, after a while, we kind of actually realised he's actually pretty average. And obviously, mm. and obviously Mulrich, another one, is just sprung to my mind. It was, you know, fucking hell, what an absolute disaster he was um, from the outset. Obviously, Samba come in on, as well on the back of him. Um, I mean, I think Samba's first league game was Fulham away, um, which I did go to that game and he made some really good saves. So straight away, obviously, in a, in a fan's mind, you're thinking, God, he's loads better than what we've got. And automatically, obviously, that kind of, you know, makes him seem a bit better than maybe what he is. Obviously, like I said before, overall, I think he's been pretty decent for us, Samba, but he's a bit frustrating because sometimes he does make a bit of an error. Um, you know, like like I said, obviously, with Lee being a goalkeeper, he'll be disappointed, surely, getting beat at his near post. Yeah, I was a very yeah, average one. I wasn't very good. <laughs> well, you know, that's kind of the fundamental of goalkeeping. You know, even as someone who's played as a striker, kind of, if I was to beat a keeper at his near post, probably down low, I'd probably be like, well, a keeper should really be saving that. But I, I obviously, I get your point. And <laughs> obviously, some strikes where you have to go, you know, that's a brilliant goal, you know. Um, I was a bit critical of their keeper in a way because I thought he probably should have done a bit better in McKenna's header. But then you look at it, obviously, you know, it's skidded off the floor, obviously on the bands. And it's always easy to say when you sat in the stands and, you know, you're not, obviously you're not a professional yourself. So, yeah. I actually agree. Um, in regards to the Bournemouth keeper, I actually thought when I watched it the first time, I thought probably should do better with that. You're right. But yeah, and as you say, it's very easy to sort of say from where you're sat, you should do this, you should do that. It it's is, especially when there's a balance as well. You know, yeah. obviously, you know, some obviously playing football, you know, it's, you know, if there's a bit of shine and water on the turf, it can skid off pretty easily. And it's always easy to say, obviously, that's in the stands. So. Um, I guess, obviously, we sort of did touch upon it earlier. Um, the most clearest indicator that Houston would have got that the fans aren't exactly best pleased would have been at full time when obviously Forrest had booed off. Uh, it's a typical Forest day, isn't it? First game in 16 months, you know, first home game, everyone's excited, everyone's buzzing, booed off at the end. Um, obviously, whether that's right or wrong, it's that's up for discussion. But, I mean, obviously, one of the things I've always found is social media isn't necessarily a reflection on real life. It doesn't be anything, it could be sports, but, um, politics, anything. But that was the first time where it's felt quite aligned. And from my experience, if you lose the fans as a manager, then you're on very borrowed time. So I guess we have to ask the question now, after that, is Chris Hutton actually in any serious danger of being sacked? I personally um, think he might well be. Sorry, Lee. No, it's all right. It's all right. Um, I think I think it's still gonna I think I think he's still got time. I think he's on borrowed time now because he had more or less a full season last year. I think I think uh, Lamucci went after five or so games, so you can't say he's not had the time. Yeah, he's not had the transfer window or, or the backing or anything. And obviously, this new uh, regime that's come in with obviously Dave Murphy heading that recruitment uh, part of it uh, and his team. Um, but I think there will be a time and a place where. Uh, we're gonna have to change it, and Dave Murphy will want to get someone in, in that's on his level of like terms of what they want to do with the team and the recruitment and the style of football. And I think this is what Forest have lacked 
for, for a long, long time, and I've said it for ages, we've always lacked a philosophy. The board and the hierarchy of the club have never come out and actually officially said, this is the style of football we want to play. We're going to recruit uh, managers and players that will fit this philosophy, and this is how we're going to go. And we're going to do that and implement it through the entire uh, club and the ethos of everyone that plays 11-a-side football. So when academy players come up to, to the first team, they know exactly what they're doing because they do this at big, massive clubs all over the world. It's just something that's logical, but we've not had that uh, at all. Uh, and it does shock me, but I think we might start being able to go down that road with this new uh, way we're going, but we'll soon we'll soon find out, I guess. Um, I actually think he's in... Um... I get no pleasure in saying this, but I actually think he's in very serious danger um, of being sacked. Um, I just think, I think he got away with a lot of drab performances last year on the basis that there wasn't 25,000 people in the ground at the home games, to be fair. Um, you look at, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, game Brentford, I know Brentford are a good side. Brentford at home was absolutely abysmal. Um, there, there was loads. Coventry, we beat Coventry. Last minute penalty. Again, we played absolutely. We got we got played off the park against Coventry. Um, but yeah, I just I just think if if he if he'd have won one of these first two games, I would probably say he's he's bought himself probably ten games. But I genuinely think if we lose on, I don't think he would get sacked if we were to lose again on Wednesday. But I I do think we'd look at making a a change at the international break. I think it seems like a trendy thing to do in modern day football that clubs won't just kind of sack a manager when there's a, a run of. A cl- you know, a clutch of five or six games together. But I think if um, another defeat was to come on Wednesday, I think they'd seriously be lining up another candidate ready to take over in the international break. What about you, Rhys? I mean, that last part, I totally agree with Lee with. Um, I think if a defeat come on Wednesday night, which, you know, this is no disrespect to Blackburn at Hall, at Hall, at all, um, you know, with... You know, you probably look at Blackburn at home and you think probably should be beating them, really. Um, you know, Bournemouth, obviously, next Premier League side. Coventry, obviously, obviously had that, you know, crowd back behind them, first game of the season. Tough opening two games, but Blackburn at home, I think if he was to lose that, yeah, it could start going down and a very damaging route. You know, I, I can... I can kind of look a bit past last season because it was a freak season. Obviously, as we've seen, you know, with the opening weekend of the Premier League, how much better the football is with fans back. But, you know, obviously, you know, football is is a results-based business, you know, and the board won't look past last season, you know. And obviously, I think it was the fourth league game in they got rid of Lamushi for um, back-to-back defeats, obviously, like Adam said, five, obviously, if you include the Barnsley defeat, I think it was. Um, yeah, it's, it, it start going down a slippery route, you know, then you look as well after that Stoke away, not going to be easy. You know, another team who's obviously had Premier League money over the last few seasons. And obviously, yeah, you know, obviously, we discard the Wolves game um, in terms <laughs> yeah, of, obviously, hit, yeah, yeah, but obviously, then you're looking at you know, again, I'm not going to say with respect this time, but if we aren't Derby's rivals, probably the worst team in the league. No, wise away from home. Yeah. If going in, would you really fancy going into Derby away on the back of four defeats? 
mm. wouldn't be ideal at all. And it, I think if if there was to lose on Wednesday, I do think you'll get a lot more start to turn. And then obviously, you know, you don't want to <laughs> you don't want to go into that game at the end of the month. You know, I know it is only one game, and thinking, God, you know, this is a team who are in absolute in an absolute mess. Thinking we're going to get turned over by them, because it'd be typical Forest Derby won't probably win until then, and then they'll probably end up turning us over, and it would probably be someone like Ravel Morrison who would then never be seen again um, for Derby. Lee Buchanan's definitely scoring the winner against us, by the way. Yeah, he would probably be the executioner, <laughs> the finishers. But yeah, going back to the point. I, I, I do think if they lose Wednesday night, even a draw, I do think some more than, you know, will start to turn very quickly. I think personally, another telltale sign for me is when when so, when you do something pretty good, but fans don't give any credit for it. And I think I've noticed that already this season. I thought, I thought for an hour against Coventry, we were actually, dare I say, pretty good. Yeah. At half-time on the concourse, we were kind of saying... It's a lot better. Johnson's made us look more threatening. We're actually looking to progress it a bit more. Yeah, we could still do with James Garner in there, but we actually said for an hour we were pretty good. Um, but even then, you go you go on Twitter after the game, you listen to the fans on the way out. There's no praise for that. It's, we've dropped more points. We've lost again. We've, we've lost a game that we shouldn't have lost again. And I think that, that, that is a telltale sign for me that um, he's on very thin ice. Well, I think, obviously, as Ray said, it's very much results-based business. And sadly, like, you don't win games at half-time. So I do completely understand that point. Um, but I also agree with you because, like, for until... Obviously, it hasn't helped the, the pre-season. Um, mm. Obviously, being slightly disrupted. When we lost the last two games, had 10 players basically in a room not being able to do anything, mm. but um, which obviously showed in that last 20 minutes at Coventry. But, yeah, I mean, you don't win games at half-time. If you don't pick up points, they then the finer details like that do get overlooked because it's not the bigger picture. The bigger picture is you lost. Um, so I do completely see that. I mean, it, what's interesting is I actually disagree with all of you in that I don't think you'll be sacked. The reason being is that I think um, if you looked at Dane Murphy's, um, I think it was one of his things, it might be uh, either BBC Radio Nottingham or The Mirror or someone, he said that, you know, we, we're not going to make any hasty knee-jerk decisions. It's going to be fought out, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And obviously you can say to a point this has been fought out, but I reckon what's more likely and possibly because of financial fair play as well, I think that I'm pretty sure when he signs, he signed a two-year contract. So that would technically expire at the end of this year. So I reckon what is likely to happen is we'll probably ride out this rough batch, maybe get some more players in. And then at the end of the year, if we finish like 15th, which is fairly likely to happen, I don't think it will go down. Um, they'll probably say, thanks for efforts. I appreciate you've come into a massive mess, um, but ultimately it's not quite what we wanted. Shake hands, let's move on. And then you'll see some some Austrian or German that no one's ever heard of, much like Struber, much like um, Ismail, who have obviously now gone on to New York Red Bulls and um, West Brom from that platform at Barnsley. And then you'll start to see the Murphy sort of cycle click in. I just don't see... I mean, we could sack him, but... And I imagine there he has a list of names there ready to sort of say, if we do have to press the button, this is who we go for. But it's a big risk. I mean, you give someone a pre-season and then a full pre-season as well, not like last year where it was about three weeks and then go, right, we're smashing the reset button after five games. I don't know. I just, I, it's the, it's, it was very, very much an old Forest thing to do. Whether it's a new Forest is another matter. 
So I can I can see your point there with that, Christian. To be fair, of letting it ride out almost because then it's not going to cost us any more money. Um, it's 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 logically smart from a business point of view, I guess. So I can see your point there. Um, steady the ship and and whatnot. I think for me, I think and I think for a lot of fans' gripers is it's Hutton's tactical decisions and when he makes substitutions, like Reese mentioned earlier in the show that we bought Carvalho on with seven minutes to go sort of thing. And like what, what, what you meant to do. Um, I mean, I'd have dragged Yates or Cole back off as soon as Brooks got sent, Brooks got sent off because you don't need that extra man in midfield. You can always, always drop Carvalho in there and just let it, let him bomb on sort of thing or whatever, just something more positive. And I know a lot of people will be like, Oh, well, Carvalho played against Bradford and scored twice. He should do that. But, but like, the way he was actually like guiding some of the younger players through that game was actually quite nice to see as well. He was he was telling people, he was talking to people, he was pointing, and he was he was part of the of the team. And it was like he'd not been away, sort of thing. So, I just think Hutton's decision making in game can be a little poor, and the ta- the fact that we were so watertight last season, really regarding how low we finished, we was actually probably one of the best defences in the league and I know it doesn't help with our injury crisis at the moment because we've lost both right back left back and one of our best centre halves probably one of the best centre halves in the league in Joe Worrell um, we're defending uh, poorly really like Sunday league sort of stuff um, so uh, it's, it's it's a tough one but I understand where you're coming from where we might let it ride it out I guess I think unless we're in any serious danger I mean obviously if we get to the point where we're like 20 seconds in November then maybe then they might go all right we've, we're having to act now but I don't know I'm just I, I, I think I would be surprised I still think there's sort of like I know obviously reputations count very little in football to a point because you know you're only as good as your last game or in manager's case you're only as good as your last job and um but I don't know I still think there's a bit of reputation in the bank for Hewton the fact they've made quite a big song and dance about it from Randall as well it would be quite no, again, the opposite of what they want to betray if we just went now, see you later, like after losing on Wednesday. I mean, I mean for, for me, obviously, yeah, you, you're right, obviously, on the FFP. Um, but I think they're giving Lamucci a new contract towards the back end, not last season, the season before. And then obviously, four games in, you know, they've sacked him. It probably kind of, I guess, depend on what. You know, the remit is in terms from the owners. You know, do they see the mm. season as you know, mid table? Do they see the season as pushing for the playoffs? It, obviously, no one really knows what they think, what you know, what the remit is for Forest this season. You know, usually kind of get an inkling. You know, last season was definitely, you know, to obviously build on the failures of the season before, and obviously, with the money we spent. You know, on some high-profile players for this time, obviously the likes of Knockart and Arter and Taylor. Um, you know, obviously to push into the playoffs, but obviously that was an absolute disaster. So, I, I guess it would all depend on what they see, what they want for us to do this season. That is true. I always think of that quote on Sky, isn't it, about Marinakis for the year that he wanted to get Forest into Premier League yesterday, and I guess obviously there was a, I think there was an element of sort of like mirror reflection last year after the whole 14 new players where they just went okay we've actually got it wrong this time but it is going to be interesting obviously like you said we don't know their intentions we're not sure what their thought process is we obviously know they're very ambitious but do they expect 
an immediate top six. I mean, most of the fans, like, positivity was, like, like beaming from them before the first kick of the ball. Like, everyone was saying, you know, Forest can finish top six, Hewton's the man to do it. And very, very quickly, in 180 minutes of football, it's now, how long has he got? Yeah, I'm, I mean, you look at the money they've spent under this ownership, and if it was spent correctly, you probably yeah. say Forest would be a Premier League team now. Yeah, because they've spent they've spent a lot of money. I know they've obviously recouped money, obviously with the sales like your Brereton, your Paya, um, Matty Cash, obviously a Sombolonga at the start of their reign. You know, but you know, the, obviously people only kind of obviously focus on the transfer fees, but the wages they must have spent. You know, I dread to think how much. I bet Harry Arter and Jenkinson are probably on fifty grand combined, and they're not even got squad numbers. And you, you look at that, and you know, that's just it's just really ridiculous. I think um, Dan Taylor said that I think Art is on two million a year alone, which works out about 38 grand a week, which makes wow. me very sick, yeah. very sick. Because I mean, I've never seen, a, I don't think I've ever seen a footballer at Forest incapable of striking a ball correctly, and then he popped up. I, I think I'm, I'm very glad that he's he will never have Forest fans in because he doesn't deserve it. But um, it kind of seems to me that they're giving him that contract on the basis of his ad. An absolute worldie of a game against us. I know people were waxing lyrical about him after that game, and myself included. When we signed him, I thought it'd be a really good signing. Turned out to be an absolute disaster. And then, you know, who, who, who's going to come and take these players on them wages? It's just not. It's just mm. not going to come and take him. You know, and we're kind of paying for that because you see, in you've seen this summer. You know, we probably needed, I don't know, half a dozen players. You know, obviously, we brought in two loans and a free. You know, and then, obviously, we're looking at, obviously, teams who are struggling financially in Derby and Reading. And, you know, and, you know they only won, it would seem like, for Buchanan, you know, like three million maybe they want. And it seems like they can't really match That's that right. because of the budget. Because we obviously need other players as well. But, you know, we're still paying the price. You know, for just years of awful, awful recruitment under this ownership and the power years. I think, um, as you, you very correctly said, there, I think it's pretty much we obviously, seeing as we burned the cash money very poorly, it very much seems once again, Forrest had to sell a, a star asset before, um, you know, we can start filling these gaps. I have no doubt in my mind that had we sold Warrell to Brentford, as we all thought, by the way, it looked like it was done, the club thought it was done, and then. It turns out the last minute they pulled out and got Ayer instead. Um, had that money gone, that deal gone through, I think there's no doubt we'd have had a left back or a right back in place for the first game of the season. But um, yeah, I guess that is the next question. Who's the next asset to be sold? Is it Worrell? Is it Johnson? Is it Myton? If you had to pick one, obviously the devil's advocate here, like if you had to choose one to sell, but on the basis that we would build a competitive team around it, who would you push out the door? Difficult question, isn't it? I think um, I, I think the easiest to replace with our current squad wouldn't be selling Worrell. Um, it sounds mad to say it's like like we touched upon earlier. He's probably one of the best defenders in the league. Never mind at our club, but I just think we've got McKenna, we've got Mbisso who can play there, we've got Figueroa. Who, to be fair, me and you have spoke about Figueroa before, Christian. He, he he has his moments, doesn't he? Where he, he does something really really stupid, but on his day he, he is capable of being all right for us. 
Um, and then you've got the young lads from the other night. Arbottle did okay. Uh, Fernandez uh, looks a big lad. Um, looks like a good place through the lines as a centre-back modern day. Um, so, yeah, I, I just think if you, were, if you were to sell Mighton, he's still pretty raw. Um, he might not start all the time this season. Um, but he has got massive potential. And, and Johnson, obviously, you've seen in two games already what Johnson can do. Well, one game. I don't think he was great yesterday. but The fresh air that, shot sort of springs to mind. He was very unlucky, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, if, you, if you're saying... I've, I, I mean, I'd rather not sell any of them, personally. I of think course, in our current yeah. predicament, it'd be great to, to keep them all and, and just you know go with a few loans. But um, I think if the question is, I've got to sell one, at this moment in time, I would probably say Warren. Okay, mate. What about you, uh, madam? I'd agree with Lee, um, purely because I think if one Warrell moves, he moves to a maybe a mid to lower league Premier League side and doesn't probably move again because I don't think he's quite at that level to advance again. He's not like a Ben White who's going to then sell on again like he has done recently to Arsenal. Um, I don't think Warrell gets that sort of that standard. That ceiling almost, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's already probably at his like, peak ability of where he's going to be um, yeah you can get better in terms of being like a mature uh, player and a leader and everything but in terms of quality he's not going to get in the England side or anything like that so he's like the complete package now so you can you can we can we can afford to say right we'll slap 15 million on him and we'll get that that's fine whereas like Johnson or Mighton you can sell him maybe for like 8 to 10 million but you you want to you're going to ask for a big sell on fee sort of thing. But we'd rather keep them now, develop a bit more. We'd probably get more and a sell on fee because they've got that rawness. Um, I mean, people talking about Johnson in the Wales team being like their next like Bale or Ramsey kind of thing. So, I mean, if you put in a name like that on there, he's he's worth a fortune really. It made me laugh when um, I think Barnsley bid two and a half million for him. I was like, what What part of him is an Aston expecting to get for that? Like, I, I, I think that. that would have been straight in the strad. I think that bid would have Absolutely. been. Absolutely. If it wasn't even looked at, sort of like, right, bin, <laughs> I don't even send him a reply. I would have been, <laughs> I would have been bidding 10 grand for, is it Callum Styles, the winger they've got there? <laughs> yeah. I've just, <laughs> just been bidding, I've just put 10 grand in for it. I'm a big fan of him, very good player. 10 uh, grand and Carl Jenkinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, as you said, because it'd be a full ass. Um, obviously Warrell as well he, he, you know he, he's had a few seasons with us and he kind of obviously gets to a point where you know how, how long do you kind of keep holding him back for you know or, I know people on Twitter are like yeah you know let's say next season is the one we're going for it but then that season ends say that? Yeah, and then they're like, like well let, give us one more yeah. season and it, obviously you've seen that obviously with Harry Kane at Spurs it's yeah. kind of give us another year you know how long does it go on for so I think he'd kind of be the next, he'd definitely be the next in line. But it's easier said than done. Obviously, like you say, it looked like he was going to go to Brentford. Not, there might now not be anybody who wants to take him. Um, obviously, obviously, we've not really seen a lot of Martin and Johnson. Uh, I know Martin broke into the side properly last season, but obviously, you know, we've only seen him on TV. Obviously, Johnson was out on loan at Lincoln, so. It'd be nice to see a lot more of them this season. You know, yeah. but Martin's a very... I, I'm a big fan of Martin. He's very exciting. I do... I love his little... Um, when they double up on him, he goes in between the two. He did that yesterday Slap again. He seems through, to he? Yeah. do that every game. He's a very exciting player. You know, if he can just... Obviously, being young, he'll, imp- he'll improve. He can improve probably his final product. 
yeah, he can go and play in the Premier League without shadow of a doubt. Easy, yeah. And I guess you sort of touched on it earlier. Um, obviously, you've got Blackburn at home and then Stoke away this week. Um, I'm guessing you take four points from that. I'd snap your arm off for four points. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm sure Adam will. Obviously, I'm not putting words into his mouth. I'm sure it, it, it would be the same. I, I'd, I'd snap you off for two. <laughs> At this Get rate, on the boards. Get on the yeah. boards. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think, like you say, Blackburn's obviously the bigger game because we're at home, um, and I think this is where like it's make or break, and and this is the problem with our supporters, I think, because we're not, we're a very fickle bunch, um, and I think you'll all agree, um, we've got some of the best and worst supporters, and I say this a lot because we're great for numbers, and when it's good, it's good, and when it's bad. We are terrible, and I mean terrible as a unit. Uh, I don't say this as like for all Forest fans, but as a, as a as a a collective, we are shocking uh, when it's bad. Um, the only time I think it's been bad at Forest and the support was still brilliant was under Stuart Pearce. Um, I remember we couldn't buy a win, and then we beat Norwich at home, and it was like one of the best atmospheres I've been part of. And the city ground was probably half empty, but it was brilliant. Um, but we we. We need to generate a lot more noise, I think, um, as supporters. I mean, I watched the Coventry game on telly and they were singing Twist and Shout when they were losing 1-0. And I mean, it, I don't know whether that's associated with that club or not or, or what, but they were making noise and it obviously helped because they ended up winning the game. Uh, we, we can be quite stubborn in that sort of in that sort of way. I mean, even if you don't agree with the manager or like all the players, I think just making a racket... We'll, we'll give them that extra 10%. I mean, you say yesterday, we booed, we booed that Forest fans booed, booed them off. They've not been in the ground for 18 months. <laughs> They're booing them off. It's absolutely mental. Yeah, it's only far. I, I, I do agree with you. I think it's, it's, you've had so many fans as well, so managers, sorry, say, you know, they'll be loud for 20 minutes. You can keep them quiet beyond that. Then the game swings your way. And it's the same yesterday against Bournemouth. I found like a very good 20 minute start, very frenetic. Forest start on the front foot. They scored, bang. They very very quiet from there on out until until we equalised, um, and it, it's, 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 it's how do you sort of address that? I suppose like it's quite um, and obviously going into these two games, as you say, I mean realistically, what do you think our points total is going to be from these two games? We're going to need the fans behind them, irrespective. Uh, that is a tricky question. I think um, realistically, if we play like we did. It's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I'd like to see, I said it yesterday, I'd like to see Hewton think, right, we've lost two games, it's not good enough. I'm going to be a bit bold. I'm an experienced manager. Let's try three in midfield and drop the number 10 back and let's, you know, create that extra man in midfield. Just just do something different. Three centre-halves, we haven't probably got three fit centre-halves at the moment, to be fair, to give him credit. But, you know, just something a little bit, oh, actually, you look at the team sheet and you think, oh, but I, I just think we, we're so... You're right what you say, Adam. We're only happy at Forest when we're moaning, I think. Um, <laughs> and it can be soul-destroying. It's Yesterday, the atmosphere started great. Usually when the other team scores, a, a song will go round in, in one stand and it'll go round as, you know, just like a, a rallying cry to get the team G'd up again. Yesterday, it was like everyone expected them to score. So it's like a cup atmosphere. You know, when Arsenal came in the League Cup and they absolutely thrashed us. They had like Xhaka yeah. scoring from 30 yards. Yeah. It was just like that sort of atmosphere. Yeah, where people, yeah, where people are just... Story, 
<laughs> I just, I just think it, it was just really disappointing. First game back, um, and I just thought, even though I was in the crowd, I just thought the crowd was pretty poor. To be fair, yeah. So, I put a question to you all, right? This is gonna be really, really like debatable and uh, a bit like touchy. Do you think we should have a drum? No, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> we make not no more noise now. than what we do now. I tell you that now. Like, <laughs> Fucking hell, it's like a library. Do you know why we're being controversial? Um, I might get kicked off the uh, the pod for this, but I actually quite like the goal music. To be fair, oh what Chelsea Dagger? Yeah, whether it's Chelsea Dagger or whether it was whether it's something like Darude Sandstorm, we'd probably be copying Tottenham. I suppose doing that, but <laughs> just anything. I just think it, it it keeps the atmosphere going for a little bit longer. You celebrate a goal and then they put a mint song on, and it's like I, I just like yes it. I, no, it's good. I, think, I remember when we, when we beat Leeds just before lockdown. Like yeah. that second Walker goal, like that goal music would have ruined that. Like it was true. so That's loud, and so like that's an authoritative roar from the crowd. It lasted for so long as well. I don't think yeah. you get those sort of. It was literally like the music. stadium fell that goal. Yeah, I, I think was that was insane. just a sheer more relief. You know, because obviously we worked so hard that game as well. You know, and obviously I th- not relief. That's the wrong word. Sheer belief, I think, is probably the right term because. And myself, yeah, point. yeah, yeah. I kind of felt, wow, is this going to be our year? And then sadly, let them off the hook in the midweek game with Charlton. <laughs> I think, I think they drew that night with Brentford, if I believe. Yeah, one one, and then they obviously got their season back on, and we started to falter. Um, but it does make me laugh on obviously watching old clips of um, Forest, um, like the late nineties. Um, I think we had a bit of um, the original I Love You Baby as a goal music. Um, <laughs> Walking on Sunshine, I think, was in there. Um, Katrina and the Waves, I think, I believe it is. And, um, but like you say, obviously, that Walker goal, yeah, it would. I don't know what it, I don't, I don't know what it is with the atmosphere. I think the problem with Coventry was maybe because it was kind of, I know it is one tier, but it was kind of a bit of a, bit of a split. So I think the time, obviously, the top had sung and, you know, it got to the bottom. I yeah, it sounds like there was too many people there, wasn't there? Yeah, really I don't know if I'm making excuses or anything, but it's like, but, obviously, under Sabri, I went to Luton away where there was, I think it was a 1,200 and it was like a brilliant away day. You know, when you've just got like that little 1,000 or so in the, in the corner, you know, you kind of, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what the answer is to that. I mean... <laughs> Obviously, we, we, we kind of struggle with creative songs, as we've seen. Obviously, every play that comes through the academy is the same generic song. And <laughs> would I, you, I don't, I don't Adam, would you, in this day and age, would you get a drum into the city ground? Because there's a, there's a list of... It takes, you, it takes you three weeks to read the list of things you can't take. Oh, I, mean, contraband. I was reading it the other day, you can't take tools or darts in. Have you ever seen a dartboard in a football ground? <laughs> Did a few I mean, tools in a pitch, mate. It's Wait, a strange old list. To be, to be fair, I'd get I'd get thrown in the trend for trying to bring a drum in because I know what people are like. But the problem is we don't make any noise, and I and I love like the, I know quite a lot of the blokes from from Forza, and they're brilliant. What they do with the displays and everything, absolutely amazing. Their their efforts aren't um, aren't forgotten or anything like that. Um, but their whole point was to go in the lower Bridgeford to create atmosphere, and it doesn't seem to happen all the time and I'm not saying that's their fault but like I don't think we accept new songs half the time in our fan base I mean I watch the Premier League um, 
And I mean, Man United are really good for this and like Liverpool and those sort of teams. They they bang out new songs for players all the time. It, they don't care about whether other teams use the same tune or anything like that. And I feel like we need to swallow a bit of a pill sometimes and just be like, just sing a song. Like, if it's good, it's good. It doesn't matter who sang it first or last or whatever, because really everyone's nicking off everyone else anyway. It's just, yeah. I mean, everyone can sing the Tyrese Fauna song. It's It's gone viral this week, lads. <laughs> Hopefully, you can get a start on Wednesday. Hopefully, um, we can have a new the pod. I mean, right, going uh, going back. Sorry, Christian. Going back to that, like, obviously, I'm sure you'll all know I detest Liverpool. But you know, obviously, you hear the Firmino song last night on the telly when they'll play Norwich. You just kind of think to yourself, you know, how catchy it is, and that you know, what I mean, it gets obviously the fans behind them and that. But obviously, it's easy said and done when you're winning 3 0 away at Norwich. Right, predictions for Blackburn Stoke then. So go with Lee first. Um, Blackburn, tricky game. Uh, they've started well, but I don't think they've really played anyone. They played Swansea. Yeah, they've had a traumatic summer. Yeah, changed the manager. Blackburn have lost Armstrong now as well, remember? They've yeah, got this really that, new exotic player as well. Yeah. Um, that <laughs> Brereton Diaz like looks a good player, though, so yeah. he's one to watch. I saw um, one like Pepsi advert. <laughs> I, I think he's due a goal against us, so I do think they'll score, oh, yeah. um, especially on the basis that we're probably going to have a bit of a patched-up defence again. So I've, I'll, get, I'll be optimistic for Blackburn and say a 2-1 win. And okay. for Stoke... You've, you've really wet my appetite for those four points. So I'm going to say a 1 1 <laughs> draw at Stoke. I say that. I mean, I've been forest twice since we lost both games 2 1. So I'll take a 1 0 draw at Stoke next weekend. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Reese? Uh, well, Christian's got my um, away membership for the Stoke game because obviously I've been and saw a Martin O'Neill disaster class there. So Scarred, decided not to go <laughs> this time. Um, I, I do think he will play Carvalho on Wednesday. I do think the three, it wouldn't surprise me if Graben come back, but I do think he will play Zinconark or Martin and Carvalho behind whoever he chooses to play up front. It's a tough one. Um, I'm going to... I mean, I can't... I'm not going to sit on the defence and agree with Lee, but... Um, it wouldn't surprise us quite. When we play Blackburn at home, there is usually a few goals. Was it? I think three-two we beat him under Sabri. Yeah, good grab as well. I can't remember last season how they got on against Blackburn last season. We won one nil. Beat him there, played simply Molly. Yes, I'm not sure I went to. Time to save the penalty. Yes, yeah. I'm. I'm going to go. With, I'm going to go with three. I'm going to be exuberant and go with three-two to Forest. Um. This is obviously. <laughs> You know, the Stoke game obviously would depend how it would go in the Blackburn game. Um, Stoke, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Um, I'm going to have to say 2-1 to Stoke that game. Three-point return. We'll take that on the board still. <laughs> what about you, Adam? Um, I'm going to go 3-1 against Blackburn. Tyrese Fauna masterclass coming in. Um <laughs> I honestly, I honestly think he, I would love him to play, but I don't think he will because I think Hewton just like I think he's got this thing about Yates and Colback. Um, so but I'd love him to have a go. I think he would be really good. Um, I think Blackburn will. I think it'll. I think Blackburn will probably score first as well. But um, I've just got this feeling we might we might actually turn up trumps. Uh, Stoke, I think we'll lose one nil. 
I just think they've got a solid back line. I just think they're going to be one of those teams, if they score, that would be so hard to break down. Um, I'm a big fan of Harry Sutter uh, from last season. I thought he was quality for them. I'm surprised they actually hung on to him. Um, yeah, I thought he'd have been another. I thought he'd have been an alternate. I thought he'd have been an alternative for a side that didn't get Warrell. Um, so one of them, but yeah, I think Wolf struggle at Stoke. I think they'll have a good season. To be honest, I like um, Michael O'Neill. I think he's a good manager. Yeah, I had Stoke fifth in my prediction. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, to wrap it up, I'll go a very cagey one 0 win against Black at Burma, all biting off in and outs in the last ten minutes when there's an inevitably seven minutes added on for no no given reason. And I reckon one will draw Stoke and take the four points. Hey, right, well, thank you very much, guys. That's the first episode of the Red Side with Trent. And yeah, uh, we'll be back very soon, I guess. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.